TCI Expo is the ideal place to compare equipment, evaluate products, and take advantage of show-only pricing from hundreds of exhibitors. You can test equipment when climbing high in the new TCI Expo Climb, or gain CEUs by attending live demonstrations or even participating in the skills arena. Don't forget to make new friends at the welcome reception, happy hour, and meet them all over again at the block party to check out equipment demos. Before we get into the episode, I would just like to talk about a few new events we're having at TCI Expo 2022 this year. The first of which is TCI Expo Climb. TCI Expo Climb is dedicated to the climbing community and is going to give our attendees a chance to try everything from harnesses to gear bags and everything in between. Anything you can think of for climbers will be here, and for all of our attendees, there will be music, gear giveaways, a happy hour, and an area for tree care professionals who want to geek out on gear and just talk trees. Additionally, new for this year is the TCI Block Party. The TCI Block Party will feature a cash bar, food trucks, and equipment demos from more than 10 exhibitors. Located next to the convention center, we're making it easy for you to connect, check out more exhibitors after hours, and enjoy some time outside. It's TCI Expo's first ever outdoor block party for hardworking tree care professionals to have some fun. If you're ready to register or you want to learn more about the event, visit expo.tcia.org for all your TCI Expo needs. We look forward to seeing you in Charlotte from November 10th to November 12th. Okay, sure. So uh, my name is Doug Coles. I'm the president and CEO of HMI. I joined the company uh, shortly after it was formed. Uh, the company was actually formed in 2003. I came on board in 2004. And uh, prior to working at HMIs, within, with, had uh, various roles in uh, business management, uh, business development, engineering, marketing, things of that nature, nothing in the green industry. So HMI was really my first uh, position that was involved in the green industry. Uh, and so I've you know, learned a lot about it over the time. And you know, now I've been here for geez, almost, almost 20 years. And so I'm, you know, I, I love the industry. Uh, HMI is kind of a, a company that provides middleware, if you will, between the green industry and the insurance industry. So I get to you know, participate in two very different industries as a part of my role at HMI. Uh, but, uh, but I think it's, uh, you know, we, we serve a valuable purpose in kind of bridging the gap between, uh, you know, when a claim occurs and, uh, and companies that resolve those claims, companies in our network that do storm work, uh, the topic of this podcast, uh, it's important that the insurance adjusters have confidence uh, that the amount that's being submitted for, uh, for payment as a part of the claim is a correct amount and that the work that was done was done the correct way as it relates to the, you know, the claim at hand. And that's what HMI does. And so it's been a really rewarding career. Yeah, no, thank you. And you, you kind of answered my next question. I used to like to ask people is how'd you get into, you know, the, the tree care industry kind of um, as a whole and, and on your side of things, it's very different than a lot of our other, our members, you know, um, but was, is like the green industry and the outdoors and something, something you've always been passionate about, or is this kind of just like a, you know, a, a transition, right? It was a new, it was a new challenge instead. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, I, I was a hobbyist for sure. Um, I've always enjoyed the outdoors. I always spent a lot of time uh, gardening and always thought that that would be an interesting uh, career path. Never, never thought, you know, never thought there'd be a way that I could find my way to it. Uh, and actually HMI, uh, when the company was formed, it really wasn't even formed to provide the kinds of services that we do today. Uh, so it was really a data 
driven company where we provide replacement cost values on trees and shrubs, uh, which is kind of an unusual application, but it has a unique uh, place in the insurance world as it relates to resolving claims. You know, when a tree fails, if there's insurance for it, it's very difficult for the insurance industry to know how much it would cost to replace that tree. And so that's really what I started building uh, at HMI was the database and the reporting structure so that we could provide uh, those answers. It wasn't uh, too long uh, into my time here when the insurance companies we were working with actually had storm damage that was occurring at the same time we were doing you know, other work for them. And that's when they asked if companies we were working with at the time, which were almost all just arborists who were doing inspections and inventories on sites where there was damage, uh, if we could actually then uh, remove the trees as well that, that uh, fell as a result of a, of a storm. And so that was about in 2008 when we started getting involved with that. So that's, you know, it's been, it's been sort of a, an incremental you know, development, you know, for me getting into the green industry to the extent that we're into it now, because initially we were really just going to be generating reports with numbers on them. And now we really are, uh, you know, very much involved in a, in a wide range of applications that, uh, that almost all of them have something to do with the green industry. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been an interesting ride for sure. You said you were, you were, you've been working for HMI for 20 years, so I'm sure that's, you know, it seems like a quick transition, but really that's a long-term, long-term thing and some, some good turnaround on it. No doubt. And before we even get into some of our more specific questions about storm work and storm damage and all that kind of stuff, I guess in your world, what do you define as storm work and storm damage so we can actually set kind of a baseline for what people uh, to expect when we talk about this kind of stuff? Yeah, great question. So for us, uh, and what I think is probably going to be of most interest uh, to your members, storm work is typically going to be wind damage or ice damage, uh, flooding, you know, much less, but flooding also, or, you know, that's a, that's, that's a peril, that, to use a term of art in insurance, that's a per- peril that we get involved with as well. But by and large, it's going to be wind damage uh, to trees that uh, typically in our world, it's a tree that's fallen on some structure, something that's otherwise insured, you know, a house, a fence, a shed, deck, you know, things of that nature. Uh, and so we do, we literally do thousands and thousands and thousands of those types of, uh, of jobs every year. Uh, of course, you know, we get very busy during hurricane season uh, when we have companies that are not only dealing with uh, with damage in their own backyards, but that we also have companies in, that are in our network and HMI manages a national network of tree care companies. Uh, almost 100% of them are TCIA members. The vast majority are accredited by the TCIA. Uh, and so we've been fortunate that we've been able to appeal to a number of, of very, very good companies uh, in the tree care industry that will also deploy into areas that have been damaged by a storm. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, you know, that's when you know, storm damage takes on you know, an even you know, different characteristic, if you will, because now not only are you involved in a, you know, in a very uh, uh, treacherous, in some cases, project, but you're also away from home and there are a lot of other variables that you have to manage. And so we, you know, we spend a lot of time working with companies in our network about, you know, how to be prepared for that uh, and how to make sure that they are, uh, that they're protecting themselves and their crews, you know, while they are going out and supporting, you know, people that really need a lot of help. We do consider ourselves first responders in a lot of ways, as do the companies that are in our network. Yeah. And 
I think just kind of continuing off of that, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there. So I appreciate you uh, diving into that. So for companies that are interested in actually doing storm work, now that we know kind of what they're going to be looking for, what does that process look like on their end? So from, from our perspective, an HMI is going to have a little different viewpoint uh, than, a, than a tree care company that's got a much more uh, experience you know, technically getting ready to do storm work and have, you know, have the training and the equipment uh, you know, in order to do storm work is you know, they're going to be more experienced in that than we will be, of course. Uh, but I think planning to do storm work is the critical part of it. And I'm, that's probably not that different from other things, but there are different uh, characteristics of a job that involves storm work, particularly if it's a large project, a tree on a home, for example, you really need to make sure that you understand, uh, you know, how you're going to get paid for that work. Uh, this is especially true if it's not an existing client. Uh, and a lot of times storm work is defined as doing work for people that aren't your clients. You're going out and you're just doing storm work, whether you're knocking on doors or whether you're, you're getting uh, referrals from someone like an HMI. Uh, in, in many cases, it's not your client. So you have to make sure that you understand, you know, how you're going to get paid for that. Uh, and a lot of times, if not 100% of the time, insurance is going to be involved in storm work, particularly if it's a tree on a structure. So you have to have a good understanding of what wouldn't be covered. Uh, by an insurance policy, because oftentimes a homeowner, if this is a residential property, the homeowner is not going to necessarily know uh, what exactly is covered or is not covered. So having a good understanding of how insurance responds to storm damage, uh, I think is a critical part of it, just to protect yourself from any collections issues uh, down the road. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's overwhelming, right? Even just having you talk about this, uh, not you know, even in the middle of trying to get a crew out in a storm to go do that kind of work. Um, like you said, the proper preparation is important. Uh, but where, so, so where, where do you start, right? It's obviously you don't start the day of a storm. You have to start. I don't, I don't even know how much, how much further in advance to get that kind of back end stuff that you, you are, you know, getting them in network and, you know, getting in touch with them. Like how far back does it have to be? Is it months or like a year or what, what's, what does that look like back there? Well, I, it's not highly technical. Uh, I think it's just getting uh, some knowledge, talking specifically about insurance coverage. Mm -hmm. Most policies are going to be similar to the next policy. You know, there aren't works of art. Uh, the insurance industry generally uses the same form uh, with some nuances from property to property to property. So knowing that insurance, for example, covers the reasonable cost to get a tree off of something that's otherwise insured, you know, if it's a primary residence that almost is going to always going to be covered 100% of the cost, that's reasonable to get the tree off of the house. Uh, after that, you can get into some you know, limitations, which does take some experience to understand, like debris removal is a component of that. You know, debris removal is very different from getting the tree off of the house. It's, you know, once the tree is off of the house is in the yard, there's a, a coverage to then move that debris out of the yard and oftentimes it's limited. Uh, and so knowing what that limitation is can save you and the homeowner, you know, a lot of, of, uh, of heartburn down the road if there are any issues about payment. Uh, another thing that, that every company has to be aware of, and certainly the companies that are in our network are, is that it's not a blank check. You know, storm work doesn't mean you can, you know, you hit the jackpot and you can go charge whatever you want to charge. 
because insurance is going to cover it. Uh, that can get people, you know, into trouble. Uh, we, you know, companies in our network uh, are very disciplined. They, they follow the same kind of professional business practices that they do when it's a, you know, a, a standard job for them that they, that they do when they're handling stormwork for HMI. Uh, and we have certain guidelines that, you know, that we also follow to make sure that the, the pricing and the work that's being done is consistent with what we would expect for a, a storm job uh, of the nature is being submitted to us. Uh, and that's our value proposition, not only to the companies that are in our network, but also to our uh, insurance carrier clients to make sure that, you know, they're confident that when we submit a project to them, that it's, you know, the, the work is scoped the right way, uh, that they're not, you know, doing work that isn't covered by insurance, like pruning trees that just happen to be on the same property. That's not an insurance claim. So you've got a tree that's on a house, then you have a tree that's next to it that needs that has limbs overhanging the house that really should be pruned back. Well, you can't roll all of that into an insurance claim. So knowing kind of subtleties like that, uh, you know, is 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 important when you're doing storm work so that uh, you don't create any collections issues for yourself or problems for your uh, for your clients. So to answer your question, it doesn't take a lot of time. Um, you know, the companies in our network get training from HMI specifically on all of these points, uh, that training, you know, can be done in a matter of an hour uh, to get a good understanding of, you know, what, what should typically be covered and what isn't. Yeah. And you, you alluded to it a couple of times um, so far, but talking about getting paid from doing storm work, um, what is, so I guess, what does that look like in the, the 5,000 foot view? So you should expect on average, it's going to take a little bit longer uh, for payments to come through when you're doing stormwork, particularly this is particularly true if it's not a current client. Uh, and so, as I mentioned uh, before, the stormwork is typically going to involve an insurance claim. Uh, most of the programs that HMI is involved with, we have direct payment protocols with our clients, our carrier clients, uh, and which can reduce the payment cycle times when they pay HMI directly and then we pay our member directly. That's what a direct payment program is. Uh, however, even in our case, uh, many times the homeowner gets paid directly uh, by their insurance company. Uh, oftentimes the cost for storm work is such that a, a homeowner is not going to be comfortable advancing the payment to the, you know, the company that does the work. Uh, so typically they're going to have to wait till there's a uh, you know, payment or reimbursement by their insurance policy to cover those costs before they will pay uh, the company that goes out and, and performs that work. Um, so it's critically important for anybody doing storm work that you make sure that you're aware of, uh, of the documentation uh, that's required for the homeowner to, you know, to be able to submit the claim to their insurance company. Uh, that's a that's a detailed proposal which itemizes the cost to get the tree off of a structure like the house or a fence, uh, and then the cost to then clean up the debris. That will really help the insurance adjuster understand you know, what those different pieces are and in, in the cost, the total cost, which will make it you know easier for them to cut a check. So, so that will speed it up. Make sure you're getting the customer to sign your contract. Um, as well, uh, that just you know clarifies things. If there are any questions about you know the payment uh, after the fact, so don't do any work that's where you just have verbal approval. Make sure you're getting that you know the the payment in advance. Make sure you have a conversation with a customer about any deductibles that they may have to pay as well as a part of their insurance claim. 
while most uh, companies, insurance companies will apply the deductible to the repair. So for example, if a tree falls on a house, typically they're gonna apply the deductible to repair work so that the homeowner doesn't have to come up with that money to get the tree off of the house because it's you know, in the insurance company's best interest to get the, the tree cleared as quickly as possible so the further damage doesn't happen. If there's rain that's coming in or something of that nature, they wanna get the tree off, the house dried in, so then repairs can, uh, can take place. So oftentimes a deductible is not gonna be applied to tree work, but if it is, that's something the homeowner is gonna to have to pay you for. So make sure you have that discussion uh, with the client as well, if in fact it's gonna be an insurance claim. So those are some things that, um, uh, that any company doing storm work really should have a working knowledge of and have a conversation with the homeowner about, particularly if it's a, it's a, if it's a particularly large job and not a current client. Yeah. And you said you have like the hour training sessions that you do with the, the companies that you work with. Does that also include kind of like a, a checklist for them? So when they do go to do all this kind of stuff, you know, during it, they can actually actively, you know, just kind of have it all there because I just kind of think, um, you know, I'm from New Hampshire. So storm work up here is like you said, a lot of ice and stuff like that. Uh, it's pretty hectic. So, I mean, just, you know, trying to, get a homeowner to calm down and, and think straight and sign all this paperwork seems like you're trying to herd cats. Yes, there is no doubt. Uh, yeah. And we try to make it as easy as possible at HMI. So, you know, then, and, and then I'm speaking only of an HMI uh, driven referral for storm work. We're able to provide companies in our network with a, a better understanding of what to expect than somebody who's just walking up on the front step and asking if the homeowner needs some help. Um, so we do provide deductible information. We have a good understanding of which of our carriers are likely to apply the deductible to the tree work as opposed to, you know, to repair work, which I was mentioning before. Um, but that doesn't mean that anybody can't ask that question, you know, when they're, when they're standing on the front step and having a conversation with a homeowner about the claim, you can go through just a, just a few different, you know, points that relate to the, the damage that they see. You talk about the deductible, if they're aware if they have a deductible or not. If so, how much is it? So you can so make sure that they at least have that in their mind, the homeowner, that they might have to pay them $500 or $1,000, whatever the deductible is. Then you can go through, you know, certain aspects of the, of the job on hand that may or may not be covered. If the tree's just down in the yard, there may be no coverage for that. Uh, you know, because there's some policies, most policies, frankly, that if the tree hasn't damaged some insured structure, that there really isn't any coverage for it. And homeowners oftentimes don't understand that. Did the, did the tree uproot? Uh, you know, so most policies, unless that root that is now popped out of the ground has damaged the driveway or is impeding repairs to some structure, like if it popped up under a fence or a shed, if it's just popped up in the yard, and you cut the, the trunk off to get the tree off of the house, they, many insurance companies won't cover grinding out that stump. You know, that's another thing that's oftentimes excluded from coverage. And so you, anybody can have that conversation with a homeowner and make sure that they're very clear that even though they're, they want to get the stump removed, as most people will, they have to be aware that that might not be reimbursed by their insurance carrier. And then to, to toss in some more complication in here, one of the questions uh, we have is, um, with uh, insurance, does it does coverage vary state uh, state by state? 
Like if so, I just think like New England area, right? It's a lot easier to travel if you're in two hours, you're in a totally different state. So how does that work if I'm going, you know, from New Hampshire to do storm work in Massachusetts? Yes, there definitely can be a variation state by state. Uh, I, I would say that the variations are typically pretty subtle. So the, the big components, and I don't want to focus all of our conversation just on insurance, but storm work mm. almost invariably is going to be insurance work. So almost every policy is going to cover, regardless of what state that you're in, it's going to cover the reasonable cost to clear the primary structure um, you know, from that tree or that limb. Uh, then there are some states, very few, but there are some states where it's also the reasonable cost to get the debris out of the yard. Uh, and, and Virginia is one of those states. So if you're in Virginia and you're used to doing storm work where you can bill almost anything to get the debris out of the yard because it's the reasonable cost. If you cross the line into say North Carolina where the debris removal limit is likely gonna be $500, you really need to have a good understanding of that because in that, you know, let's say it's a $2,000 debris removal estimate in Virginia, in North Carolina, the homeowner would be responsible for $1,500 of that in all likelihood, because most North Carolina policies are going to have a limit. Uh, oftentimes, it's $500 or $1,000. So that's a that's a very distinct state by state, you know, difference that you can find in insurance policies. But that's that is the exception. The rule is that most states cover very similar uh, uh, damages with respect to to storm work. Um, but it's important to have that understanding because you don't want to be on the wrong side of that equation, of course, uh, and build you know, much more than what the insurance company is going to cover. No, that makes that makes sense. I, I mean, you know, it makes sense that most places would be similar, but there's always the the one exception to the rule, apparently. But you are. I mean, if you're moving from state to state, then you're then you're deploying in many cases, unless you're you live right on a state line. If you're on a state line, you likely know all of these nuances. You know, once you cross a state line, you probably have an understanding of what's covered there. If you're deploying uh, where you're going, you know, away from your local territory uh, to, you know, to support a company like HMI or to, to subcontract under another company that you've worked with before, that's when it's super important that you have a good understanding of what coverages are going to look like. Um, and, and I'd say, you know, specifically when you look at deductibles, for example, if there's a hurricane um, or if there's a big ice storm, uh, there can be different deductible amounts for a hurricane or ice storm in some cases, which make, makes a $500 deductible, it could be thousands of dollars. And so it really changes the, the economics uh, for the client and it increases the sensitivity that, in, that a tree care company needs to have about the deductible uh, if the deductible goes from a few hundred dollars to many thousands of dollars, because then, you know, even if they apply the, the deductible to repairs, it might not cover all of it. So you do have to be more sensitive to what the deductible is if you're deploying. Yeah. Um, still, just a lot there on that okay. one. Um, yeah. And I'd say the other thing as well on coverage and I'm sorry to interrupt. No, all good. If it's a hurricane and there's a lot of damage on a property you can have a lot of trees down on fences, down on sheds, down on swimming pools, detached garages. If you get in a situation like that, which is not that often, 
but there are limitations for structures that are not the primary residence as well. It's called Schedule B assets. And this is where you can, if you're deploying to an area after a CAD event, it's really important that you understand you know, that type of a, of, a, of a differentiation between coverage on an insurance policy, because it might be the reasonable cost, almost unlimited, to get the tree off of the house, but there could be a very a much smaller limit for to get the trees off of a fence or off of a shed, and that can come into play. Uh, you know, in a, what we would call a cat event or a catastrophic event, we see that you know pretty often there, and so we will, of course, uh, give companies in our network that are deploying into an area following a big event like that. Uh, just a warning to be on the lookout for that. And oftentimes we ask them to then further itemize the expenses to clear the primary house and then to clear a fence or clear a shed. So it's itemized separately uh, on the, you know, the estimates that we upload to the carriers. Um, so that's another thing that, that everyone needs to pay attention to, again, in a, in, a, in a major event and certainly if you're deploying. And, and just for my own curiosity, what like state or region are most of these taking place in? So the Southeast Gulf states, you know, those areas get hit, you know, it seems like the hardest um, during hurricane season, you know, most certainly the Gulf has been particularly hit hard the last several years uh, with hurricanes. So Louisiana and Texas and Alabama and Mississippi and Florida, uh, and then pretty much all along the East Coast. But as you can imagine, the Southeast Coast more so than uh, Mid-Atlantic or the Northeast, but all of those areas have been hit. Uh, and uh, it's supposed to be an active year this year, so it's it's it it is expected that uh, you know that we're going to have another opportunity to <laughs> to go through this training uh, as companies are are moving into that area to help our clients. You know, speaking of it being an active year, um, is different preparation. Um, it probably is, but different preparation is needed for different sorts of um, weather events. Correct. Uh, for for an individual company, I mean, like an ice storm compared to hurricane damage, like is there is there a huge difference in what's needed, or is it more of like an internal training thing affecting that sort of stuff? If, if you're talking about equipment, uh, I think that most certainly there's going to be some limitations if you have a lot of ice that you're dealing with, but I think generally speaking, it's the same it's the same type of equipment that you're using. You're, you're getting trees off of structures. You know, the, the local conditions are gonna dictate what limitations there might be for certain types of equipment. But generally speaking, it's gonna be the same. Okay. And we, we but I would say again, if, if, if we're talking about deployments, the things that I think most companies uh, need to spend, every company needs to spend more time on is the planning for back office support while you're deploying, planning for the, you know, who, where are you going to stay during the deployment? Um, how are you going to get fuel? Where are you going to dump, you know, the debris? If in fact FEMA is not clearing up the debris, you've got to, you have to be able to, to source all of those types of resources that are, you know, well known to you back in your home state. Uh, if you're deploying into an area that just has gone through a catastrophic event, you know, fuel is going to be hard to find. Dumps are going to be filling up. Fees are going to be high. Cell, cell tower communication or cell towers are down. And that infrastructure is oftentimes down or spotty. Internet's hard to find. You know, so there are a lot of things that, uh, that, a, 
that, that a company really needs to check off of their list before they decide to, you know, to move everybody out of their, you know, home location and deploy uh, into, a, you know, an area that's just been hit very hard by, a, you know, by a disaster. And a lot of times, you know, the companies, most of the companies we deal with are seasoned veterans at this. You know, some of them are, are heading into an area with a, with a recreational vehicle where they can have the crews, you know, stay at a campsite somewhere because it's hard to find hotel rooms, as you can imagine. They're using satellite phones to make sure they can, you know, keep communications up. They're staying a couple hours away from the impacted area at a hotel that's got internet so they can, you know, get back and have an office set up where they can, you know, transact business. Uh, so they're just, you just have to assume that anything that can go wrong is going to go wrong and kind of all at once. And how will you deal with that? Uh, and that's something that I, I, I think everybody that's, that's contemplating, uh, you know, making a trip like that to do storm work should talk to, you know, somebody who's done it before uh, so that they can learn from those lessons. Yeah. And I guess this is a good time to ask. So if a uh, tree care company is interested in getting started in doing uh, storm work, I guess where is the 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 start point of it? Like, do I need to have a minimum crew size, or is it just kind of a desire to do storm work? Yeah, I would say you know if I was just starting out and looking for uh, you know looking for the right strategy, I don't think that there's necessarily a limitation on crew size. Again, I'm not I'm not an operating company that does this, so there 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 might be. I'm not familiar with it simply because we have companies of all shapes and sizes in our network that will go and deploy. Uh, smaller companies, you know, typically what what HMI provides is we provide referrals. So that's one of the things you're you're going to need to figure out before you you go down to an area is where are you going to get you know, the business, whereas, because you're going to have to get paid to justify going into an area and you need to be efficient while you're there because costs are higher for everything. Fuel costs more, hotels are going to cost more, everything's going to cost more. So you want to be productive, of course. So that's one thing that you're going to have to, uh, to make sure that you have a good plan for is where the business is going to come from. Oftentimes a smaller company will just go attached with a larger company. Uh, so if you're a company that's got a relationship with you know, an HMI or some other uh, you know, partner like that that's providing them with referrals and they want to have some extra crews, then you can you know, just come in underneath another company that's handling all of the lead generation, the paperwork, uh, which is a good way to, to, you know, to kind of get some experience doing it. Uh, but uh, lacking that, I, I do believe that the TCI has resources for this. Call other TCIA member companies that have done it. Contact HMI. We can give you some, you know, some resources to call. So people that are in our network that we trust that have been on many uh, different deployments with HMI. Uh, I think that's one of the great things about the industry is everyone is willing to share uh, kind of their experiences and their knowledge to help other people, uh, you know, to, su to succeed because it isn't, it's not easy for sure. Yeah. And in part of the preparation too, um, you had mentioned how anything that can go wrong, you know, probably will go wrong. So how do you kind of prepare yourself or prepare your company, whether, you know, front end, back end type of stuff to deal with all these situations that could go, is there like a database of like things that have gone wrong that you can look at? Or is it just like you said, talking to other people who have done it before? Yeah. Listen, there is, there is no database that can replace somebody who's been there and done that. Uh, and there are so many companies that have been there and done that. 
that you should take them out and buy them a cup of coffee, you know, and just ask them about their experiences. And I, I, I can't imagine they'd be, they'd be unwilling to share. Uh, so, and, and, and I think the easy thing you know, to, to use as a checklist is just think of all the things that would really ruin your day if it went wrong. And what will you do when, when, it, when it goes wrong? You know, because it, it certainly can. And HMI, you know, we're fortunate, you know, we're not on the front lines, but we have been uh, certainly supporting companies that are struggling to find fuel, you know, helping companies that have equipment that breaks down, you know, and they're 500 miles away from home. They just had a, you know, hydraulic hose break. Uh, and, and or they they roll up on a job and they need a piece of equipment that they don't have. Uh, and so we are able to, you know, within our environment, we're able to find those resources from other companies that are in the area. Uh, but, but, you know, before you go, you know, I would feel a lot better if it were me knowing that I have other people that I can reach out to when I'm down there that can help, can, you know, lend a hand, can provide a piece of equipment or a crew, uh, because that, that will just make you a lot more efficient and it will certainly de-risk, you know, the entire deployment. Yeah, and you you were talking about the support that HMI offers. Um, what does what does that look like on like um, the back end? Because you know, I'm guessing a large majority of people who have listened or listening to this podcast right now haven't you know either worked with you or like me, you know, and you know may not be as familiar with what this kind of back end stuff looks like. So when you're saying that you know somebody's out of fuel and stuff like that, how how are you you supporting them that way? So. In, you know, in a situation like that, uh, that specific case, we can go out to our members and ask them who are also in that area. You know, and I don't know that we've been able to necessarily locate a fuel source in the past. We may have. Uh, it certainly has come up. Uh, but we have helped people with, you know, finding dump sites and things of that nature, finding equipment that they need, uh, finding crews. If they're, you know, if they have a job they can't handle, we've been able to, you know, to, to get somebody else on it who's got the correct setup uh, that can handle that, you know, that particular assignment. Uh, so HMI, uh, you know, we, we work with the insurance industry and we work with uh, over 20 of the top 25 carriers uh, for on the residential insurance side. And so our support primarily is just qualified leads. You know, so we do provide that. We do provide that channel, uh, which is a, a huge help you know, the companies that are going into an area and, and really need to hit the ground running and be productive while they're there. And we do provide them with, uh, with issues that might arise with, uh, you know, getting, getting a, a price approved if it's a particularly large tree removal and they want to make sure that the insurance company is going to approve it. We handle that uh, on the back end. So we're the interface uh, between the companies on our network and the insurance company. We handle all the paperwork. We handle all of the you know, the payment process to the extent we're able, you know, we're involved in that as well and collections. Uh, so that's, that's the role that we play. Critically important uh, if it's, you know, if it's someone that's going down on their own uh, into an area that they're not, not that familiar with, you just have to be very careful and have a good understanding of, of how you're going to get paid. If you're not going to get payment at time that the service is provided, because again, it could be a very large project. A homeowner might not have that much money uh, that they can pay right away. They have to wait for the insurance, you know, to be uh, the, the proceeds to be received so that they can pay for it. Well, you have to have a good understanding of how you're going to protect yourself 
if you go back home and you still have people that owe you, you know, money in a deployed area. Uh, and so that's that's where I think, you know, I, I, if it were me again, I'd feel much more comfortable having had a conversation with somebody who's been there. Uh, and, and there are plenty of, of great companies that, that really do well uh, deploying for storms and are very successful with it. All of the challenges that I mentioned, they very successfully navigate those challenges. Uh, and so it, it can be if you're, uh, if you're set up the right way, if you have the right uh, crew that's, uh, you know, that's willing to, to leave home and spend a lot of time, probably not at the, uh, you know, you're not at a four-star hotel in many cases, but you're helping people. Uh, and so there is a rewarding aspect to it. Aside from, you know, the money that can be generated, you are actually a first, a first responder and you're really helping people recover from what's a, you know, a pretty uh, traumatic experience. So there is, there's a lot of positive reinforcements that comes out of it, just being there and helping, uh, but you need to protect yourself as well to make sure that uh, you know, it's also a successful uh, enterprise or a successful uh, venture for your company. Yeah, of course. And this may be, you know, we may have touched base, but I don't, would understand it. So um, do you need to have a referral or a lead before you go down into one of these areas during storm work or do you do people no. kind of head down and then grab it once they get down there? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of people just start heading, uh, you know, a lot of times even before the storm has hit, they'll just start heading down to where they expect there to be damage. Uh, and then when they get down there, they will sometimes just start knocking on doors. Uh, to see if they can, uh, you know, can help people out. Uh, so there's, there's, there's all sorts of ways that people uh, kind of enter into one of these uh, situations. Uh, and you know, oftentimes they will, though, have some kind of a, either a routine that, they're, that, they're, that they follow, a strategy that's worked in the past, or again, they're attached to another company that's getting, you know, work. A lot, you know, and, and, and after the storm hits, then there start to be like FEMA contracts start to be released. Yeah, I mean, municipalities that start, you know, releasing contracts to do larger, you know, project work. HMI is not so much involved in that. Uh, we do primarily residential uh, storm work after a big event, uh, but we're getting more into commercial properties. Not much, we don't do any FEMA kind of work, but there are, as you can imagine, a lot of people that do really well on FEMA contracts. Uh, and there's, we don't really have any expertise in that. So if you're interested in getting into FEMA contracts or somebody, I'm sure much better qualified than I to talk about the, the intricacies of succeeding there. Uh, but you, I think it's important to have a good understanding of where the work is gonna come from once you show up. And it could be you just bring your salespeople down and you just start making calls. You know, many people you know, do very well doing that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um... It's just from from an outsider's perspective of somebody who doesn't you know deal with the crews or on the other side of things like the sports side, it's kind of a fascinating um, thing to start to find out more about because you know in New England, pretty much every winter, it's it's like clockwork, right? So you know I see these tree care companies frequently, and then in and out, gone in a day, and it's all this kind of stuff that I never actually thought about the logistics behind getting somebody from a different state across state lines to come help out in certain areas. So it's, it's, it's neat to learn about something that I've experienced since, you know, I, since I've been here really and, and figure out more 
about the logistics behind. And it also shows a lot about the culture of the tree care industry and stuff like that. And just, just the willingness to go down and do things because it is the right thing to do. I, I get that there's money involved with it and stuff like that, but this industry is very good about helping both each other, um, everybody else in the industry, as well as trying to be there for the homeowners and the various clients that they have as well, especially in times like this where, you know, if, if a tree falls on somebody's house, they're in a very, um, you know, fragile state. Yeah, I think, you know what, that is a great point. And HMI, you know, we, we have been very uh, fortunate that when, you know, when we started building our network, we wanted to be the quality standard uh, as it relates to insurance related services. So when, when the insurance industry uh, has a need for any kind of green industry application, we want them to think of HMI uh, and because we work with the best companies uh, in the industry. And uh, we have, I, I have no doubt, we have moved the needle uh, as it relates to creating a quality standard for deployments, quality standard for storm work, um, because as, as you know, there are companies in this industry that don't follow the same professional approach to doing you know, any kind of tree work, much less you know, when there's a storm involved. And we don't work with those companies. Uh, and the companies you know, in our network, you know, we, we say it often uh, back at HMI, how, how fortunate we are to have the quality of the, the companies, the professionalism, the the, the management skill, the, the customer service, the work quality is without a, a doubt the highest uh, you know, of any other you know, provider of this type of service. And so we're getting the best companies in the industry to people that need them, you know, they need those services more than they ever have. And, and, and they could not have had access to the companies that are in our network unless you know, their insurance company made that resource available to them because nobody you know certainly if, if after a big storm if you're not a customer of a local company nobody's going to be able to help you because everybody is as you can imagine they're inundated with their own clients and so you really are left to companies that are moving in and unfortunately in many cases they're preying on people that are at a weak point and, uh, and so that's why you know, our program has been successful with our insurance carrier clients, because they realize that this is when their customers, their insureds, really need them the most. You, know, you pay insurance pros, uh, premiums for years and years and years and years and years. When you actually need your insurance company to help, you've got a tree on your roof, that's when they need to step up. And so that's that's the role that we play. And the fact that we've gotten so many companies that have their own clients that have a good business in their local marketplace are willing to move into another state to go down and help HMI to provide that same level of customer service to somebody they're never going to see again, right? They're just never going to see them again because mm -hmm. they're going to leave and go hundreds of miles back home, you know, when the event is over. Uh, it's, it's really an extraordinary service. And you know we're we're happy to be a part of it. Uh, we you know we started this this whole program together with the TCIA. We built our credentialing requirements together with the TCIA many 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 years ago. Can't even imagine how many years ago it was. Uh, and we th we're thrilled to see the accreditation program gr uh, growing because I 
I, that last count about 80% of the crews in our network were with accredited, you know, TCIA member companies. And so, you know, it's, it's such a critical service to provide at a critical time uh, and being able to do so with companies that you know are gonna treat the customer right and do the work the right way at the right price. You know, it really, it really is an extraordinary service and we couldn't do it without TCIA and their membership for sure. Yeah, you know, I'd be remiss and probably a little bit chastised here if I didn't, you know, talk about the accredited companies kind of being that that gold standard to hold people to. So, you know, we're we're happy that 80% of the people in your network are accredited companies because I mean, that works out for everybody involved and you know, I think sometimes the accredited companies don't feel the love that they should. So, I feel like in this case, you know, that you guys are, you know, guys and gals are held up to that gold standard of of this is what it should be and this is how you should interact with people and all that kind of stuff and you know it really says a lot about them um, when they interact with these people in their time of need yes absolutely yeah and one of the things that we benefit most from and it's not you know the work is done well of course uh the safety is a premium of course that goes without saying but it's really the professionalism you know and that that aspect of it just just raising uh, the bar in your organization to make sure that you are presenting a professional face to the client. Your pricing is is, is following a professional standard, uh, and the work product is is equal to that. Um, I think that's that's really what we benefit from. I mean, for us, it removes all doubt about any company that's you know that's a, that's uh, applying to become a member of the HMI program. If they've gone through that process, then we don't. You know, we don't really have to look too much further because we know that they're that it's a serious company with serious intentions about doing it the right way. Yeah, and I'm kind of out of questions, so I'm gonna kind of open it up. Is there anything that you'd like to bring up or talk about that we haven't had a chance to discuss yet? Um, I don't think so. I think that we covered almost everything that uh, that I that I think is is important. Uh, I do think that storm work. Uh, is, is an important part, it's an important service, important part of a, a company's kind of suite of, of services that they offer, uh, but you have to be careful. You know, unfortunately, uh, companies in this industry, and fortunately, no, you know, not many that we work with, really look at storm work uh, as a kind of a money grab. And that, and that makes it difficult for all of us because insurance adjusters who, are, are forced with you know, trying to vet those costs that are being submitted to them, it makes them suspicious of all tree care companies, <laughs> unfortunately. And you could, you could understand it uh, because they, it's really a very difficult, uh, it's a difficult, um, it's difficult math for an insurance adjuster to do, looking at a picture and trying to determine how much that should cost. You know, they just don't have that context. Uh, and so, you know, they really are, uh, they're exposed because they, there really is no formula that works to come up with what the right price is. Uh, and so it has caused there to be a little bit of anxiety, I would say, that kind of exists between the tree care industry and the insurance industry, because there's unfortunately a lot of companies out there that aren't providing the right information or just really taking advantage. Uh, and so there, but there is a way we are, we see it every day. There is a way for companies that are professional companies to, uh, to, su to support storm, uh, storm damage claims, do it the right way, 
you know, be profitable and doing it the right way uh, and in turn getting more, you know, work for sure. So I think it's, I think it's an important topic. Uh, and I, you know, I believe that if, a, if companies just take the time to do it right, it could be very successful for them.